Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. Todd, James. Grab a seat. I was hoping you could use the hay bale. I was thinking of the same thing. Should have worn my boots today. Well, it's good to see you all. This is preaching after a children's play. It always feels like you're the second half of a timeshare presentation. Like you had your buffet and now you're locked in a room with me going, okay, how long is this going to take? But we do want to show you a few properties before you leave. Um, But it's so fun. I mean, it is like such a a fun reunion tour and just seeing some new faces and some folks um, that we've seen for decades. It's just good to be together. And it's such an honor. Todd, thanks for inviting me to be part of this last little uh, discussion about the Christmas story. And um, it's been a a neat month reflecting on Advent, on um, taking a perspective of this story we just saw performed so beautifully. And like I think Luke, I couldn't tell if Luke was being choked up or he was just choking on something. But either way, it was moving. And there he is. Um, but, but it really is. It's so moving. And it's just powerful, especially when you see your own kids up there. And I'll never forget the first time seeing Michelli, like in the Christmas play. And it's just, you sort of re-enter the story with like children's eyes. And um, it's a beautiful thing. So the... the um, the larger headline that you've sort of been teaching on this month is looking at this Christmas story from, as you answered, you had, uh, promised us early in the series, I'm going to show you a side of the Christmas story you've never seen before. And I'm like, okay, okay, Todd, let's see. Is that possible? And, um, and then you really, I think, brought up a perspective that is really true to the way the biographies of Jesus, as they're told in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the way that those stories and narratives are directing our attention. And I think um, when we saw, and I don't have to read a lot of scripture because we kind of saw it played out here, but the story of Jesus and Matthew and, and Luke, it's like these, it's this, it's this recognition that someone important is in the room. Like someone really important has just come into the room. And I thought it would be fun to start off. I, I am a professor, so I like interaction a lot. And I also, I want to hear, like, who's in the audience today, and and here's how I want to do it. I want you to talk to someone next to you really quickly, and I want you to share who is, like, the most powerful or important person you've ever been in the room with, okay? It could be a big room or a small room, but I'm inviting you to name drop, okay? I am saying you have permission this Christmas, like, who is, like, the most powerful person or important, it could be a cultural icon, could be political. Just a little higher than James and myself. <laughs> so it's just, we're raising the bar just a bit. <laughs> just a bit. So go, talk to someone real quickly. Todd and I will talk amongst ourselves, and then we want to hear a couple of yours. So who's like the most important person you've seen or been in the room with? We really want bragging. <laughs> you can't, you could not have been in like at the SoFi Center. That doesn't count. Unless you're in a booth with someone, then it does. <laughs> 30 seconds, people. Big names. Impress the person sitting next to you. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> okay. Feel free to... Does it ha- do they have to have shaken their hand or just, just met them? Just in the them? room. Just in the same room. Okay. All right, let's hear it. Who wants to start out? Anybody? And, and you Any can volunteers? point people out, too, if no one... All right, yes, here we go. Yes, Gail. First one, Gail. The Queen of England. 
the okay oh microphone drop. Wow. Thanks for thanks, thanks for, for really, for yeah. all of us. <laughs> That's going to be really hard to top. Anybody met, meet Jesus? Does Jesus, <laughs> Jesus go higher than that? Yes. Yeah. Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton there in the ladies' go. room Friendly with Dolly lady. Parton. There you go. Wonderful. What Anybody else? else? Right, here we go. The Dalai Lama, the Dolly Parton, the Dalai Lama, and the Queen of England. <laughs> Wait, we I, have really, this is an amazing crowd of human beings right here. We together could write a book of the most famous people in the world. I have to stop Todd from doing the Caddyshack bit. You oh, cannot yeah, do it, okay. even though Dalai Lama was mentioned. Okay, right, keep the going. <laughs> the 12th son of the Lama. <laughs> who, who else? Let's hear some more. Come on, people, drop some names. Let's go. Magic Johnson. Matt Johnson? <laughs> Matt Johnson. Jeez. All right, who else? Oh, Magic. Who, who, the Donald? Arnold Palmer. The Donald, okay. All right. All right. All right, who else? John, John Wooden. Wooden. Wow. Uh, let's hear some more. What Come on, people. I know you've been with important Sandy. folks. Who else? The, the Pope. Pope. This is a powerful. I'm telling you. Last service, it was all Sir, the presidents. We went was, through. It was from Herbert Hoover all the way through. We did. There were a lot of elderly <laughs> people there. And this time, it's like, yes. Wow, I couldn't think. Bono. Bono. Wow. All right. There you go. Kind of like the Pope of pop music. The Pope of. Oh, the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, Ronald Reagan. Reagan. There you go. All right. What an icon. Let's hear two more. Two more. I got to hear two more. Come on. I know you've been with important. We do got to move on. One more? Yes, here we go. Al Gore. There you go. Who who did you say? (laughs) Nancy Nancy Reagan. Reagan. There we go. Yeah. All right. So Uh, what's your point? (laughs) I always, when I sit listening to James, I always want to ask that question, and now I can. What? Like, what was that what all about? With? Nothing. I'm just trying to butter them up for the presentation, Todd. Uh, <laughs> okay, I don't have actually anyone that important I've seen, believe it or not. But Kelly Kapowski, uh, Saved by the Bell, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, Hermosa Beach Fair, 1998 summer. I was that close to meeting my dream and living the life that I thought I was meant to live, and it turns out. It's much better than that, but she didn't, I did, it was like, it wasn't technically stalking, but me and a few of our friends followed her from booth to booth until her security asked us not to. I was 16, what do you want? So here's my point, if I could uh, (laughs) transition this somehow. Okay, so the idea of when you're in that room with somebody and you're like, especially if it's like a chance meeting, like Dolly Parton, and you just happen to bump into her and you're like, oh my gosh, that's Dolly Parton. Like there's that moment of recognition And my favorite thing is when you see someone talk to a celebrity or something and they don't know who it is and they're just having a conversation and they come back and you go, do you know who that was? And like, who? What a nice young person. And you explain to them like, whoa, that's pretty important. That's pretty exciting. Like what what we're seeing in all of the Christmas stories, I'm going to read the first piece and then I'll do my tie-in. How about that? So this is uh, Luke's, uh, what we call Luke chapter 2. But it's, it's a story y'all have heard probably a million times if you've watched um, Charlie Brown's Christmas. Is that what it's called? In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census. 
that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Like, okay, Luke, that's an interesting historical detail. Is Luke just one of those detail guys that has to get like the timetable right and the chronology right? Why would he include this? What Luke is doing, I think, of many things, he's putting the flavor in the story of authority. Like it's already being sprinkled into the room. Kind of like when you're on Soarin' Over California and they spray that orange, like the smell of oranges or something. It like he sort of sprays into the room the smell of authority. And you're hearing the name dropped of Caesar Augustus, who by the time Luke is writing is long dead, but he's sort of like the legend. He's the guy that every emperor wants to be, and he is the pinnacle of Roman imperium and power. And so Luke slips this into the story to give you a little chronology and also to get the audience who's hearing it thinking about like, oh yeah, Roman imperium, power, authority, hierarchy. And then the story continues, and we already saw it played out, the story of this little infant and, or this this. A pregnant mom needing a place to bear a child ends up in a very inauspicious location. And while the audience is listening to this story and thinking about authority, thinking about power, um, the flavor is sort of just in, in, in the air. All of a sudden, that story, starting at verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, And the angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will be great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, famous king of Israel, a savior has been born. He is Messiah, that means anointed one or king, the Lord, the kurios. This is like an interesting story of there's Roman imperium, there's Roman power, there's the political mechanisms of the world as they operated then. And for a minute, Luke and the story lifts the sort of lid off of reality and says, I want you to see what's really going on. And there's this like cosmic angelic appearance. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appear with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And all I wanted to point out with this um, prolonged intro was when we are looking at the story of baby Jesus. It is like you've been saying, it's not just a story of like acute innocence and peace and like silent night. It's actually a story that calls into question every authority and structure and power that this original audience has known and says, as a matter of fact, reality is so much grander than you could imagine. And we're going to give you a glimpse of it. And you're left asking, who is this child? Who is this that I'm in the room with? Yeah. So that's kind of my, my bit. You know, authority is such a loaded word. You know, don't you think today? I mean, who are you under authority of, you know? And we, we ask that question about authority. And, and, and what we often find is that we don't want to be under authority. We, we, we really want to be autonomous from that. And yet that wasn't possible in the first century. You were under the authority of somebody. And that's true today. We just don't realize it. And when Jesus came, he brought a level of authority that was greater than Caesar. This is a new level of authority. This is not simply just a title, as James points out, Curios, the Lord, the Messiah. He got the title like Caesar had the title king, but he had something deeper going on. And we need to understand that in terms of its, his identity 
so that we can move to our next point. But here's the idea. There are two things that would move you to um, put your faith and trust and confidence in someone else. It would be their title and their character. Authority is based upon two things. Not only that they have the title, but they also have the character. You know, um, uh, I have really focused my life on uh, being the best leader I can. And there are, and I'm not a great leader in certain areas. And one of them is management. James and I were teasing each other early, the last, last uh, service when early on in the church, I, you know, I was doing pretty much everything. James joined me very early on and joined our staff, and it was just the two of us, and neither one of us really managed well. <laughs> we didn't do what you call manage things well. <laughs> there was one time that we planned an entire summer over a lunch, and we're like, let's, do, let's have church in backyards and at the beach. And we announced it that afternoon, and the rest of the staff was like, what have you two just done? Like, we thought it was a great idea, so we did it. We don't manage well. That's why we brought in like Bill and Luke and Taylor, just some really, Kathy, some really great people that do that very well. But what I want to point out is, is that, you know, you can be, you can have faults in your leadership, but the one thing that is required to bring great authority is character. And Jesus developed that character. Jesus had that kind of character. We know that. Paul tells us in Philippians that he humbled himself taking the form of a man and, and set aside his... Div he had divinity, but he didn't like parade it around and use it. He actually manifested it and glorified it by his humility and by his deep character. The reason we know this, and one of the texts in Luke chapter 2, the very end of Luke chapter 2, it says that here's this Jesus who is born king is now a child, a young boy. I guess that he didn't have a kingly childhood. I guess that his parents didn't treat him like a king as a young boy. They treated him like any other son. And yet he would find himself often, they would find him often in the temple, it says in the very last verses of Luke, that they, would, they wondered where this son had wandered off to. And he would be in the temple discussing among the elders the, 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 the Torah, the law of God. And, and it says that he grew in, in, in stature and in wisdom and in favor of men. It says that he developed, he grew, he became a person of great character. And it, that's why I think all throughout the Gospels, what we find is we're like in Mark 1 or Mark chapter, or Matthew chapter 7, Jesus goes into the synagogues and teaches and they were amazed. And it says that they were amazed because he taught as one with authority, not like the scribes. Their leaders did not have the character that Jesus had. What we're trying to do is really emphasize the value and importance of Jesus' role as king in this Christmas story. To understand that when we put our faith and trust in one, and we're putting our faith and trust in the authority of one who not only has the title, but also has the character as well. Um, I wanted to, one, one small point as well that you've been mentioning in the last few, few uh, sermons, and I've, I've been thinking about a lot, which again, it's kind of counterintuitive given our, our cultural perspective, at least in the U.S., like, I, I love America. America, come on. 
I love it. I love the U.S., and I'm a, I'm a big fan. And, um, and if you look at our history, though, we sort of are like rebels. Like, we come from this place of throwing off authority and going it alone and pioneering and all this kind of stuff. It's sort of our, our narrative. And so there's one part of our culture that, first of all, doesn't understand kingship. You hear kingship, you think, like, not excited about that. But then also this idea of submitting authority and saying, no, I'm actually going to, like, open my hands and say, no, I'm giving someone else not just a little authority. I'm giving them all the authority. I'm going to sit in the back seat and let them drive this thing. That doesn't sit well with us. But I think we, miss, we can miss out if we live with that um, as, a, as an American dream, as individuals, being in control of everything, being, getting it all tidy and neat. We miss out on the profound peace. In Greek, erene. In Hebrew, shalom. I just say that so you know I've studied those languages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we miss out on the peace that comes with like knowing God is in authority. And like, I have a, this is gonna be fun. I have a very, uh, it's, it's a Rhodesian Ridgeback, large dog, somewhat bad behaved dog. But he's like a guard, uh, like a guard dog. We, we had him because he's good to run with and he's also good at protecting the house. If something bad happens, I'm gonna put him at the danger first. But when I'm out of town for like a weekend or something, the dog's stressed out. And it's natural because I'm, I'm a pretty intimidating person and I'm, you know, yes, you he are, knows James. things are safe if I'm there. But for him, he's stressed out and I come home and he's so excited to see me. He's just over, because he's like, I could rest now because you're home and you're in charge. It's just how he's wired. And there's a certain peace and like natural thing to that. This is weird, okay? But we're kind of like Rhodesian Ridgebacks. You know, we, we really, I think if we, when we put the Lord in the place of authority in our lives, it seems so counterintuitive, but there is a peace that comes with that. It doesn't mean you turn your brain off, you turn your skills off, or your creativity off, but it means you sort of give the seat of your heart, the primary seat of authority, and say, this world, this life, these resources, this biological existence, it's not about me creating my kingdom. It's actually about serving the king. And, and that leads you in all kinds of exciting places, but there's a peace that comes with that. And so I just was thinking about that, you know, peace on earth and it comes with the right king on the throne of our hearts and lives hey i wanted to say one thing and i think we'll skip the colossians part let's just skip and just that go part. to the questions but uh I, we want to why are we spending so much time on this and i think the reason is because what we find in the gospels is that people responded two different ways to jesus they either responded with amazement, as it says in, in Matthew 7, 28, and in Mark 1, I think, 20, in, in like 20 to 25. Either they responded with amazement at who Jesus was as a person, or they were enraged. There were two ways to respond. There's no neutrality. Do you notice that? In the Gospels, we don't find a lot of neutrality. Like, well, he was just a really good teacher. Uh, he was... He, he presented himself with great authority. He even says in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me under heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all. He, he instructed, he empowered people to live a different life. He empowered people by his authority. And either they were amazed by that and responded, or they were enraged. And I think when you find someone that has truly found Christ for who he is, that's who we're talking about. Their lives radically change. Or they become angry and cynical, skeptical, 
and they try to push along in their own way. And it always comes back to Jesus. It really does. You, all of history comes back to this moment in time, the Christmas story. And how will we respond to that? So as, as I think we all kind of know, we can theoretically like organize the sort of boardroom of our minds and our, our theology, our philosophy, and, and have our belief system all set up. And be like, here's what I believe. Here's why I believe it. Here's what I'm not sure about. And, and that's, that's fine and dandy and good to do. But there's also those moments where what we truly faith in, I'll use that as a verb, what we faith in, our life response. Like it, you actually see what someone believes based on how they respond. There's this interesting like anthrop- anthropological study I could do on any one of you, especially if you say, I don't really have any faith. I don't have a worldview. I don't really believe in anything. I, I could put a team of anthropologists around you for a month and come up with your belief system, probably be able to identify, actually, here's what you believe, whether you even know it or not. Here are your priorities. Here's your worldview. And so I think like how, when we have those moments where we actually do respond, even if in our brains we're kind of, you know, one foot off the merry-go-round, not sure if we want to do it, but we respond with faith and say, no, I'm going forward with this. And we submit to the authority of Jesus. It could actually be a really powerful moment in our life. I wanted to ask this question. So we wanted to throw it out to y'all. Uh, to discuss again just for a moment and then hear maybe a story or two. And here's the question. Reflect on a moment when you really trusted, or I'll even use the word submitted. That's, oof, there's a good word. Really trusted or submitted to the authority of King Jesus in your life. Like it was a moment. Maybe it was a big thing or a small thing long ago or recently where you, you knew in that moment it was like, I need to respond and I'm either going to say yes or I'm going to say no on this issue. And you, you said yes. You said, all right, Lord, you're king. I'm going yes. And, and by the way, and if you're, if you're not a person of faith or you're, you don't have a, you know, you're not a follower of Jesus, on this, you could share about a time where you know, you've, you've, had a, you've had to sort of shift some um, authority in your life and what happened there. So just kind of talk to one another and we'll give you like, I don't know, a minute. And then we'll, we'll hear maybe one or two if there's time. Someone wants to. All right, go. Discuss amongst yourselves. All right. Okay, we want to hear from some of you. Is anybody like willing to just stand just a short and elevator just a pitch? Short, like elevator pitch. Here's a moment, a transition time in my life, a, a radical just something happened that really shifted my thinking or my perspective or my heart. You just a moment that really changed you. I know that's a big question, but if you make eye contact with me right now, 
<laughs> All right. There you go. Yeah, the provision of, of uh, jobs. Yeah, yep. work. It's huge. Did I hear <laughs> You've Abby's been nominated by a, a panel of experts up here. Abby, will you share with us yours? The elevator Come bit. Come on up. You have a great sweater on. You got it. Come on. Show the world the sweater at least. Come on. Let's hear this story. I wasn't expecting to be in front of the church in this All right, we'll just It was for the kids. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so two summers ago, out of nowhere, I had this, like, mental health crisis thing. You know, wasn't eating, mm. wasn't sleeping, wasn't leaving my house, wasn't driving, couldn't function. And it just got to a point where um, I had to make a choice to trust the Lord with my life and, and whatever was going to happen to really be able to live <laughs> my life at all. Um, so it was really scary at first because, I mean, of the state that I was in. But eventually, every day got easier. And I mean, I was already a Christian at that point. But it, just quite literally, like, getting in my car and just praying for, you know, God's provision and my ability to drive. And then I would terrify be terrified and just drive to go pick up my kids. So, Gosh. that kind of stuff. <laughs> and something shifted. Going to the grocery store. Something Terrifying. really shifted in your life, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Thank it's you. Beautiful. Thank Thanks. you, Abby. Yeah. Thanks, Thank Abby. you so much for your courage and sharing that. Yeah. Anybody else? Just, we've got room. We really do. Thank you. We want to just kind of slow it down and be thinking about this whole idea of how the Lordship of Christ, the King Jesus... Um, connects with us personally. Yeah. Is that Will? Yeah. Shout it out. Thanks, Will. Yeah, come on. That was a clap like. <laughs> That's me too. Yes.
You got your attention. Yeah. James, you want to share your story? I love it. It's, yeah. it, it's another one of those attention getters. So I, I, as I was thinking about this question, um, I have, you know, have all these, all these moments in life where you do kind of, I've been a Christian my whole life. My parents are here. My dad, dad was a pastor for you know, 30 plus years. I grew up as a pastor's kid. So I have these moments of faith, but then there are moments where it's truly like the Lord's like, Look, look at me, are you going to trust me right now? Or is this just going to be cerebral and good little boy Christian James? Or are you going to actually trust me when there's a lot at stake and a lot on the table? And as I was kept going through these stories, the same one kept coming back to me. And I'm like, I've already shared this one. And I'm like, forget it, I'm going to share it again. I have a captive audience. Um, but I, Bray and I were up here with you like a month ago when we had first gotten... Um, little little tiger, little baby boy Doe, as he's legally named, and little tiger Tove, as I think the Lord would have him named. And um, the, as we went on back onto the foster care list after a four-year break, um, it's a passion in my heart. It's a mission in our life as a family. And it's also something that, as a father, terrifies me. Because you're literally looking at your life going, as I, as I phrase it to Bray, it's like we're driving down the freeway at 90 with our seatbelts off because you're falling in love with the kid. And at any second, this, the case, the system could just, boop, move the kid out. And, and all of a sudden, your life's destroyed. Or you're saying yes to a, a kiddo, and their case is not glorious. It wasn't like mom was taking too many prenatals and doing baby-wise or something, and so we took the kid away. It was, these kids have hard stories and so when I'm, I'm driving home on the freeway, and I apologize if you've heard this before, but I'm sharing it again. When I was driving home a month ago, on the freeway from work, I get a call. I call Bray, and she says, I'm on the line with Olive Crest, a case manager, and there's a, there's a baby. And I, like, go, like, cotton mouth, panicked. And all I'm thinking about for a minute is, I can't do this again. Like, my life is so good right now. I have everything I could ever want in the South Bay dream I'm 42 years old with a 14-year-old. Like, what am I going to do with an infant? And I'm, I'm, I'm afraid, and we're talking about the case. I'm hearing details of this traumatic birth, and I'm even more scared now. And I'm like, oh, gosh, this is terrifying. And my mind is doing all these calculations of what could be in the future and what challenges could face. And, um, and I get off the phone, and I say, I'm just going to pray. And I, I just stop. I'm dr- dr- I didn't stop. I'm driving. And I, I turn the music off, and I just go, Jesus. And it was like, I'm a pastor, I'm a professor, I'm a Christian guy. I'm telling you, it was one of those prayers where you're like, Jesus, I need to talk to you right now. I'm so scared. I need your heart on this. I don't know what to do. And it was like, and I'm not exaggerating, it was like 30 seconds later, I'm flooded with the compassion of God. I can't explain it any other way other than I saw this child, not literally, but in my, in my heart, I saw this child sitting alone in a NICU with not a name and not, not a person in the world. And it was like Jesus was like going, I love this child, and I'm going to give you my heart for him right now. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm just like overwhelmed with compassion, and I'm driving, and I look up, and it's one of those billboards that changes every like five seconds, and it, and the, it flashes up, 
a three-year-old Israeli little girl who was kidnapped. You know, one of those one of those posters. And it was like God just shows me, like James, do you see my heart for these kids? It was just, and then it flipped again, and it was. Big boy in the morning, power 106, get $1,000 every time you call in. And it was this juxtaposition of like, what do you want, James? Do you want my heart for this world, or do you want $1,000? And I said, both would be great, Lord. I would love both. But, but it was one of those moments, and it was like, all it took was that little bit of faith. And I'm not, this is not a brag story, people. It is like almost a shame story. But that little bit of faith, God's like, that's all I need. Just give me a little moment of faith. And as those of you that have been walking with us, and, I, and all of you have been with this baby, it's just a glorious story. And I know glories are yet to come with his story, even though I'll be dropping him off at kindergarten when I drop Michelle off at college. Yeah. That's going to be a weird one. So, <laughs> so, so I, I want to ask one more question, and I just wanted to ask Todd, everyone to think about this, and I, I want you to share a story as well here as we close uh, with this story. Is there, is there an area in your life right now that you're currently struggling to submit to the authority of Jesus? So this is a pretty searching question, but it's for, I think, all of us. Is there an area of your life, and maybe for some of you, it's your whole life, but is there an area that you're like, I can't give this up. I, I'm holding on to this one for myself. And, um, and so, Todd, I'd love to ask you the, that. the easy question. I want to hear your... Yeah, reflect on the moment when you really <laughs> trusted and submitted. How about one you're really struggling? Here, Todd, why don't you take that one? Okay, so here, here it is just briefly. As the worship team comes up, we're going to just end with worship. But here's, here's what happened to me, and I didn't realize where this was going to go, but I hadn't talked. I have a, this counselor. I love this guy. He's just great. He's really talked me through lots of different issues in my life at many different times in my life. I called him, and uh, we set up a meeting. And honestly, as I dialed his number, I had no idea what we were, no idea what we we're going to talk about. I kind of gone, I just went blank, and I don't know why, but I just went blank. I like what in the what am I going to do for an hour? And I, I there are certain topics I think might be appropriate, and so we got into some of that. But then he he said, kind of where are you at, Todd? And I said, the first thought I had was that I feel like I'm in a very long transition. And I'm, it's not an end, it's a beginning of something new. And I've begun that. And I don't really know where it goes. He says, well, tell me more about it. How do you feel? What are some ideas? And we went, we went around and around like, well, I want to be a great public speaker. Well, that'll never happen. Okay, so I want to be an author. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> those, are, those are big dreams. Uh, everybody wants those. And... I was kind of left feeling a little discouraged. I was, I was having those conversations, feeling pretty discouraged, like, what in the world am I going to do the rest of my life if it's not what I'm doing right now? But I really know that the Lord is moving me into new places in my life. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still part of this church. I'm going to be always part of this church. But I feel like God has me. I'm, I don't want to stay stuck. And so... I said, well, there's one thing. And he started digging deeper. And it's like something I hadn't even thought about in a long time. And this is wild. And maybe you're here in this moment. This is an area that I feel like I'm afraid to submit to the Lord. And in my future, I've done some work on this. And I've really laid out some ideas on paper of starting a men's ministry. I, lo I love working with men. 
Um, I've been in men's ministry for many, many years as a, as a pastor. And I even have a name for it, which is so wild. So I just shouted it out. I said, well, I've really thought this through, and it's called Broken Arrow. I already have a name for the ministry that I really feel like the Lord is calling me to do. And, and then I, I even have a subtitle for it. It's, it's Marred Men in Semi-Dangerous Adventure Seeking Deep Alliance with Jesus. Deeper Alliance with Jesus. It has to be semi-dangerous because I'm on a blood thinner. Um, so my cardiologist said, just keep it semi-dangerous, not dangerous. Otherwise, it really would be dangerous. But I love adventure. I love working with men that are marred, that are leathered by life. And I'm trying to figure out the right word for that. But I don't want to just in, in, encounter them over adventure. I want to encounter them in adventure because they want to seek a deeper relationship with Christ. They want to go deeper. And I want to help lead that way. I want to use my gifts in that way. And it's like, and he kind of looked at me like, well, I mean, he on the phone, he, he just said, are you serious? Like, that seems pretty obvious. What's your problem? And I said, well, it's probably fear. It's probably the idea of a risk. It's probably the idea that I've told myself over and over again, you can't do that. Or there are too many other ministries like that that are already out there. Yours won't succeed. Yours is going to be kind of a sideline. Nobody's going to respond to your ad. Like, Seriously. This is what's gone on in my life. And, and, and what I realized in that moment is that when I, submitting to the Lordship and the authority of Christ is submitting even those deepest areas of your life that may be chained up right now. And I want to pray for us. I want to pray that maybe in your mind and in your heart, there are areas of your life that you are not willing to give over to the Lord. They may be really, really big. They may be super small. They may be your future. They may be present right now. But something that God wants to break through, Jesus is king, and he's king of your life. So let's pray. So, Father, I want to pray for our um, just our friends here, all of our friends, and all of those that attend the river may be our guests that, Father, you would reach deep into our souls. Holy Spirit, you, you say that you are this powerful, deep force within us that leads us into all truth. And I pray that you would unlock doors, even doors that have been doored up and walled up, even chained up and locked and double bolted. And things in our lives where they're so deep and they're, they're so hidden that if you asked me right now, I wouldn't even be able to identify them, but I but Holy Spirit, bring them to the surface. And I pray that you would do the work of unbinding them, of allowing us to walk free and risk and not live in fear, but truly believe, God, that you have far more for us than we would ever, ever dream. And only you can do that, Lord Jesus. That's why you are king of the universe. That's why you are the King Jesus. And that's why we bow down. And that's why we submit. Your authority is because of your title and your character. You are soft and caring. You are loving. You are compassionate. And you are strong. And you lead us and you guide us. All authority has been given to you in, the, in, in heaven and earth. 
And that's why you pushed your disciples beyond their abilities into greater depths, into the realms and into the nations and beyond their ability, you push them. And I pray that you would do that this morning in Jesus' name. invite you to stand and as we go into our next our final worship song just um take the communion whenever you're ready it's between you and the lord Get up and pray. 
you fight our battles. Sing it again. Oh, come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your soul. You've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Oh, I'll praise the Lord. I will praise, praise the Lord. I'm gonna praise the Every circumstance, Jesus, your authority reigns in my heart. So I throw a mind, I praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a sings hallelujah it says I give it all away I surrender and I trust you so Jesus wherever we are in this room in the mountaintops in the valleys in the highs and the lows God remind us that you never change that you are King Jesus Lord of all that no circumstance is too big or too small for you so let this be the truth that we set our hearts on this morning and as we move into this final week before Christmas, may we remember the price that you paid, that you gave your only son, that we would know you, that we wouldn't be alone. So we give you all authority, all glory do your name. And we thank you that you meet us with love and mercy and goodness. So we worship you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, bless you guys. Thanks for coming. Christmas Eve service to next week at 4 p.m. <laughs>